Welcome to the Beyond Physical Therapy Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk to physical therapists and other healthcare professionals that have broken away from the pack of everyday clinicians. Learn how to shift your mindset away from traditional PT and healthcare as we interview those that have already found a way to move beyond their day-to-day job. I'm your host, Zach Reggio. Let's dive in to today's episode. I want to stress this point. I remember when I was just on the brink of graduating and everybody was like, you need the well-rounded experience. Make sure you take all the continuing ed and you got to do this, this, and this. What I'm going to tell you is this. If you want a job working in professional sports, if you want to work with a billionaire client on a jet and fly with them and be their concierge PT, if you want to write the book, if you want to do the podcast, all these things that I've been so fortunate enough to do, It's all been related to my drive to go directly for what it is I want. It's not intelligence, it's not skill. And I saw this with athletes too. The ones that really made it, there was a baseline level of skill that they all have at that point. They all throw hard. But to get to the big leagues and to stay there, it's willpower, it's drive. So if anyone out there is thinking about whether it's an app, whether it's a book, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a continuing ed thing that you want to teach or you want to attend, go for it. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. We have Dave Meyer, a physical therapist and author of Injured to Elite. He's also the host of the Injured to Elite podcast and former St. Louis Cardinals rehab coordinator. Dave is stepping into the psychology of sports as a certified mental performance consultant. Here's today's episode. All right, Dave, thank you for coming on the show, man. Really excited to hear about all the cool things you got going on. Um, Before we get started here, do you mind just sharing a little bit about your background? Absolutely, Zach. And thank you, fellow Long Islander, for having me come on. Of course. Um, so yeah, we we both, seems like we grew up in the same neck of the woods uh, mm. in Long Island. Is it on or in Long Island, right? That's the million. It's, it's, it's on, man. It's on, Long, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, but as you know, doing a podcast, you get off the uh, the island, somebody mm. in uh, Ireland's listening to the podcast, they have no clue what, what the heck us Long Island people are, right? Oh, so, yeah. I grew up on Long Island and I was a huge sports lover, sports uh, fan, athlete. I played baseball up to the collegiate level. I played ice hockey growing up, but baseball was really my love and my passion. And uh, my father and I kind of was our bond together. Baseball on Long Island is huge. Anybody that, that is from here knows how big sports are. Lacrosse is really the big one. But so basically, when I realized my height was going to be a little bit of a limitation for me to get drafted, I had to think outside of just, you know, being an athlete. And so eventually, when I was in college, I decided I was going to work in professional sports. So I'm a very goal oriented, goal driven individual that had my sights at one point on becoming a physiatrist, a medical doctor. And, you know, I read online what it said at the time, and I was like, ooh, this sounds physical rehabilitation, perfect, and I want the highest degree. And then I realized physicians really, at that time and still, are not really that involved in the day-to-day empowerment of bettering your health. So I fell into physical therapy, uh, like many of us, and now I'm trying to get the heck out of it and expand (laughs) beyond physical therapy, right? (laughs) 
Yeah, definitely. I love that. It's, and it's true. I think sometimes we have this vision of what PT is going to be like for us when we're done with school and then you get into the real world and it's completely different than what you were expecting. So that's kind of one of the reasons why I want to start this podcast is just because, you know, you got out of school and PT isn't what you thought it was going to be. It doesn't mean you can't make it into what you want to be or do something that involves your degree. That is what you love. I totally agree, Zach. And so I'll get the sexy part up front. So okay. they, they don't think I'm the most boring person in the world. So my <laughs> dream was, let, let's put it this way. You grow up on Long Island. There's two teams you're either a fan of. It's the Mets or the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And I'd say on Long Island, we got a little more Mets representation. Definitely. Uh, but we got our fair share of loud mouth Yankee fans. <laughs> I grew up, a, unfortunately, a Mets fan. And so the dream and the goal was to work for the New York Mets as their physical therapist. I actually still remember being in field level seats and watching their physical therapist at the time, Jeff Cavalieri. Yeah, I know Jeff know as Athlean X now. So yeah, he, yeah. he's, you know, he was ahead. And so I used to watch him stretch Jose Reyes in 2005, you know, six, and Jose would be doing his leg sweeps and I'd be in field deck field level, just getting there extra early. And I looked at him and I said to my best friend at the time, Shawnee Dukes, I looked at Sean, I said, I want his job. And so I went through a lot of personal stuff in terms of family, losing my father, who was a diehard Mets fan. And I decided, I vowed that's, that's what I'm going to do. And so if those out there are baseball fans, in 2006, the New York Mets played the St. Louis Cardinals in the NLCS and they lost a little epic battle. And so pretty ironic that the Cardinals beat the Mets because just about nine years later, I would be getting a call from the Cardinals to interview for their rehab coordinator job. So not exactly how I would have planned, being that I wanted to be with the Mets. So backtracking a little bit, after I started my PT career, I worked for Tim Tyler in Westchester, pro sports physical therapy, saw a lot high-end number. Saw a lot of sports patients, uh, mainly high school, collegiate, and my first pro guy. I was so excited. He was like the 40th round pick. And I'm like, I got a pro ball player. <laughs> and the, the, the rehab, it didn't go great. He actually had a re-tear, but I was just so excited to have my first pro guy. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to improve. So I applied to the HSS residency. Tim Tyler knows a lot of people. He introduced me to Mike Reinald, you know, Kevin Wilk, Susan Falsone, so many people. So I was lucky in that sense. I got a lot of reps in, which is important early on in your career. You want reps. And I applied to the HSS residency. And on day one, I always call the HSS interview crew for the residency, the firing squad. They all sat down, you know, HSS is the number one orthopedic institution, right? In the world, they call it. People literally fly there from Dubai and they shot off the questions of why I wanted to be a resident. And I looked them in the eye, you know, a little bit green, still only two years in. And I said, I want to be in the dugout next year. And they came back and they, they were, they kind of sat back and gave me that look of, hmm, Okay. But I didn't know if that meant I just, you know, my chances were now shot because I'm an arrogant young PT gunslinger, <laughs> or if they really liked that I had a vision. Sure enough, they respond and say, well, Dave, maybe that'll happen in five years, but it's good that you have a goal. Ended up being that John Cavanaugh told me the very reason he, he picked me was because I knew exactly what I want. And so a little undertone message there for those young PTs out there and veteran PTs, if there is a direction you want to take don't buy into the Kool-Aid of you have to work in the hospital the first two years. No, 
go for what you want. So I did, I did the residency 2014, the stars aligned because the New York Mets are taken care of by HSS. And I should say Mike Reinald back in 2013 at TCC in Vegas at Team Concepts, he says, well, Dave, if you want to work for the Mets, then you got to go do the HSS residency. And so, I mean, it's Mike Reinald, you're going to take it seriously. So I said, okay, yeah, I'm going to do that. So I did. And halfway into the residency, I'm hounding Mickey Levinson, John Cavanaugh. Mickey was the longtime Dr. David Alchek's right-hand man to go to Shea Stadium, City Field. And John Cavanaugh, we call it fireside chats he has with you yeah, yeah. <laughs> sitting by his, his uh, desk. He called me over. He said, Dave, I got news for you. Mickey's going to take you to City Field. And so I, I, it was my Rudy moment. I'm on, you know, I'm in the tunnel meeting David Wright quickly. And, you know, I, I got to say at that point in my career, I was starstruck. I saw some celeb athletes, but at this point I'm in the trenches. And so I'm behind the turtle, which is the, 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 um, the screen they put up during batting practice behind home plate. And I'm sitting there, Terry Collins standing there. Terry Collins is to my left. And I'm like, I made it. I'm on the field. I knew I was going to do it. I made it. And when I say I made it, I didn't have a job with the Mets. I, you know, I wasn't working with a player, but I said to myself at that very moment, if I'm standing here on the field, I can do whatever it is I want to do with my career. Cause I'm just a long Island kid and you know, five foot five, a hundred, nothing, whatever the Rudy line goes by. And I'm here, you know, in the middle of city field and this, the crack of the bat is going while David Wright's brushing up against me. So I'm like, I could do it. And six months later, I got the job with the Cardinals. Very cool, man. That's, that's an amazing story. And so much drive for you to keep going and just, you know, other people telling you, you know, I don't know, you got to wait five years and just going for it anyway and, and making it there. That's really cool to see. So what was it like for you, like on a day-to-day basis working with the St. Louis Cardinals? Like what was your in and out kind of day like? Let me put it to you this way. So the way it was explained to me by Gary LaRock, the director of player development, who essentially is the GM of the minor leagues. He reports to the GM. Mm. He said, well, Dave, we're going to expand your duties a little bit. And at the time, I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm kind of sick of the PT clinic and you know the, the performance centers. Like, let's do it. Well, all you physical therapists out there that are still kind of more in the clinic model, which, which I'm not belittling. Let me explain to you what professional sports is like. Athletic trainers rule the roost. And there's a good reason for that because they, they are very familiar with that model, working with Matt for, uh, front office, working with coaches, talking about the non-clinical side, scheduling flights for players flying to St. Louis to see a, uh, for a medical appointment, arranging workers' compensation claims and making sure they're filed correctly to pay for the surgery making sure that the player understands what the heck is going on and being their mentor and their coach. Sometimes you have a player from the Dominican Republic that doesn't speak English and you still have to develop rapport and help the individual understand what physically is going on with them. And of course, this is specific to baseball. Being the bus driver, you know, driving them from the player hotel in spring training in, in Jupiter, Florida to the complex every morning, making sure they eat, making sure that... They're, of course, on schedule with their rehab, building their program, 
So a lot of it is actually the, actually the programming side and making sure everybody and their fathers, mothers, aunts, and uncles know what's going on with each player, meaning you're sending out a ton of reports. So when we think of documentation in the clinic model, well, not so fast to think that it's better in professional sports. It's a lot more robust, actually, in terms of communication chains. It's just a little more direct, I think, than maybe the, the clinic model in terms of the insurance element and stuff. So it's a little more pertinent to the actual health and performance of the player. But that was what Gary meant when he said, we're going to expand your duties. So that was a shell shock experience. Yeah, I can't imagine that, especially like right off the bat, being such a fresh PT and then getting thrown into that. Sure. That's, uh, you know, I would be very shell shocked myself. So that's crazy that you had to go through all that. But, you know, there had to be some good sides to it. So what do you think was, you know, some of the best parts about being with the MLB and, and working with them? Yeah, so we'll get to the good stuff now. So imagine spring training is going, all the cameramen and all the people are out there taking footage and it's early, mid to late February and the pitchers are just starting to throw and you have a player that's about to sign the next year a $50 million contract and you just took him through his rehab and he's getting back on the field. So Dave Meyer is walking out there with him and all the cameras are on this player and taking pictures and, and you're kind of like, I'm about to go throw with him in front of cameras. Oh God. So now I played in college and I have a pretty solid arm. I was told uh, I had the most improved arm in the organization in 2016 by, nice. the, by one of the, just as a joke, tongue in cheek. But um, so you're now throwing a baseball with one of their star pitchers and the cameras are going off. And for a second you think about it and you're like, I'm a physical therapist and I'm playing catch with, you know, whoever, I, I won't say his name or whatever, but it's, well, I think I can, it's not a HIPAA thing. It was Carlos yeah. Martinez. So I was playing catch with Carlos getting ready for a, a year. That was amazing for him. And, you know, at first I was just like nervous of hitting him in the chest and making sure that the ball yeah. got to him, but uh, you know, so exhilarating, so amazing, a dream come true. I make it sound like, you know, I didn't, I didn't enjoy that process. I say that kind of tongue in cheek because I loved the on-field throwing experience and building the throwing program. That was a dream come true, literally in every single way. Yeah, that's got to be. And you, and you get to be there for every single game. That must be exciting too. Yeah, you really see the fruit of your labor. It's not really like the, we always say to our patients in the clinic model, the 99% of the time you're not with them right? You don't really get to see anything, but yeah. in, this, in this world, you really do see it. I mean, that's got to be incredible. I mean, just being able to see that on a daily basis and see that you're actually making a difference has got to be pretty cool. So what, what would you say made you transition out of it? What was the reason for you to kind of leave the MLB? So I spent three years with the St. Louis Cardinals and it was amazing because I got to work with some amazing people. Dr. Robert Butler became the director of performance in 2016. And mm -hmm. Dr. Butler is basically one of the people out there that helped to objectify FMS with uh, Gray Cook. Oh, nice. And did a lot of data, collected a lot of data on the FMS and did some research on that. So I learned how to integrate in a professional sports organization, a performance model. So I took notes and I really uh, grew my, my literacy of that. Now, ultimately, what happened for me was this. I was at a crossroads when I saw that teams do have an inherent bias when they care 
when they treat the player because they're a depreciating asset. And so at the end of it, I realized that I wanted to have impact with the player on their side, with their agent, and also really just have as limited amount of bias as possible to allow to allow myself to really entrench myself into the less cloudiness around what is best for both the organization and the player and more or less what is best for the individual. Because unfortunately, it's tough when you're running a business to really make that person a full 100% priority. And so that's something in the clinic model I think you do get to uh, get to have a little bit more of rather than the team setting. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm picturing like a, a Jerry Maguire moment where you just kind of, you you wanted to do what was best for the players or for the, the person, the right? Is that kind of what happened? You know, I think I'm a very dramatic, <laughs> I could be dramatic in my thoughts and yeah, I think, I think essentially in a nutshell, that's what it was. I mm-hmm. wanted to be, you know, inspired and I wanted to even if it was a few clients or a few athletes, I wanted to be able to be their, their guy. And, uh, I never, I didn't get my, you know, who, who played, uh, the, the ball player who played the football player in that movie. Oh, oh, um, Can't think of uh, his name. Oh, uh, Cuba King Jr. There you go. He didn't actually exactly come as a client right after, but I was fortunate enough where players like Ryan Sheriff, who just pitched in the world series with the Rays. I mean, he's my guy. I, yeah. I've been with them through thick and thin, and I've been able to work with agents and players on their side. Is it a fully scaled business? No, it's not, but it's really, really rewarding to see what you can do when you're on that side. Not to say you can't do a lot on the team side. You certainly can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about that. I know you're doing a lot of virtual coaching now for injured athletes. Uh, Can you kind of tell us a little bit more about that and how maybe you're still getting the same results as if you saw him in person? Yeah, sure. So I, funny enough, before COVID hit, really decided I wanted to create a virtual component to what it is I do and leverage those channels as much as possible, whether that's webinars, online courses for what I do, a book, audio books, things like that. And then of course the actual coaching. And so for me this year, I wrote a book and along with that book, I've worked with some clients virtually, of course, So I guess I'll share with you my experience working with clients virtually. I think there's a lot of pros versus cons, but there, of course, are cons. One of the biggest things that I've seen that is kind of a cool finding is when when you have the screen in between you and that other individual, there's more onus on that person that's working with you. They, by default, have to be more engaged, and they have to take a more active role in the process. In the clinic, we all know the post-op ACL or the post-op patient that had an ACL reconstruction that's just laying there and just totally zoned out and just lifting their leg up doing leg raises versus when somebody's on the other side of a screen, they understand that there are constraints. And because of that, they actually have to increase their level of um, involvement in the process. So that's, I think, the biggest thing I've seen. Now, I utilize movement screens a lot. And I think that you can do it a pretty good job at looking at movement without putting your hands on them and looking at their passive mobility, whether it's looking at their own active assisted range of motion or looking at their FMS or their SFMA and you, or whatever your assessment is. I think that can provide you with a ton of data and a ton of ability to program based off of that. Some of the cons, one of the podcasts, one of the people I've 
collaborated with Dr. Mark Hutchinson out of Australia, who is a pain scientist, explained to me that one thing we don't get as much produced through this interaction is oxytocin. And so Dr. Mark Hutchinson explained to me that actually our bodies don't produce as much oxytocin when we're not actually physically together. So are there cons to the experience? Sure. It's not in person. And we're in a human ba- in a human oriented, humanistic oriented profession. So sure, human interaction in person is not replaceable. However, I think a lot of people out there can acknowledge through this past year the lack of ability to access professionals like us in person. And those that have gone virtually probably realize how much they can get out of an interaction, even if it's just one small exercise or correction of their ergonomic setup can make all the difference and they can access you in the snap of a finger. That's a game changer. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's why if you could get the same results sitting you know, at home, maybe not just sitting, but being at home versus driving like 30, 45 minutes to a clinic, why wouldn't you just do it at home, right? I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Awesome. So Tell me what sort of things are you doing with your clients? Do they feel like they're getting, you know, just as good of a result as they would have if they saw you in person? So I should preface it with the fact that I've decided to take my career into more of the sports psychology mental side of rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. So that's basically the the mo- the motivation behind my book Injury to Elite. The mental side of rehabilitation is just missed. And so when I'm working with my clients through the screen, a lot of it is not just taking history and figuring out what their goal is, but figuring out what their intrinsic motivators are, figuring out what their cognitive and emotional state is that is influencing the state of pain or dysfunction that they are in. So to be really transparent, a lot of what I do is not exercise oriented. I use exercise as a modality, but my main approach is empowering that individual with number one, education, but even more than education, counseling that individual and coaching that individual through what can be a very scary process. Yeah, definitely. And for for the patients or clients that you found, do you find that you've had a, to do a lot of marketing for this or is it mostly you get a lot of clients through your book who've, who've read your book? So I keep my client list small. I'm not looking to necessarily scale the, the one-on-one work that I do. I'm actually working with a, a potential company that's going to leverage more of the group-based stuff. Um, but for me, I think one underutilized channel, I don't want to give this away to too many PTs, but Mm -hmm. webinars. Yeah, definitely. Webinars uh, are something that I actually delved into in 2018, funny enough, before all this happened. And I realized that every time I do a webinar, I get a conversion of about 10 to 20%. So by default, I know that a few of those attendees, even if I get 50 attendees or, or even 30, I'm mm-hmm. probably going to get a few people that are going to reach out to me and say, I definitely want that initial consult. And that at least one of those people becomes somewhat of a long-term client, meaning more than five sessions. So I think one of, in my experience, webinars has been really, really helpful. I stick to my area. I've done webinars on baseball and I've done webinars on my mental approach to rehabilitation. I stick to what I feel most comfortable in. I think a lot of PTs don't 
make that commitment towards this is what I want to own. This is what I love. And they don't try and put a stake in the ground with it. And I'm all about, if you have a direction, you know, you want to go, even if you're not a full expert in it yet, go for it. It, it, You know, share your experience, do your research and try to be that expert. I'm not saying to oversell yourself, but be the expert and provide value to people on a certain topic that you know is a pain point for some group out there and you will get clients. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And I think the other thing that's important too, is you have to be generally interested in it, right? Because, you know, you seem to be really into baseball, really into working with injured athletes. If it was just something that you're like, oh, I know a lot about ACL tears, so I'll just do a webinar on that. It doesn't come off the same as if you live and breathe it and, and you love it and you can connect to it on a much deeper level. So I think that's probably something that you have going for you that maybe, you know, the average person who's just doing it to make a few bucks doesn't have. Yeah, Zach, you, you couldn't be more right. So the way I kind of explain this is I have a lot of idea debt. I've had ideas. I created an app in 2012 called VideoHab, which Tim Tyler and I, my co-founder, we, we started. And I was very fortunate. Tim was my first boss and he, he saw an idea. He saw the value in the idea of a home-based exercise program being virtual and taking the videos, putting them into a database, having a questionnaire the patients fill out electronically, reminders, the whole thing. I was eight years early. You know, when I look back, I can really beat myself up because if I was in a position now, eight years later, where I was still really pushing it forward, I'd probably get bought out for a lot of money right now. I'm sure a a substantial amount because everybody's thinking about this now. The thing is, I wanted to work in a professional sports organization. That was my big thing. And I think it can become very uh, overwhelming right now with the amount of options and directions we can go as P- beyond PT, right? Mm. I think the number one thing, everybody out, whatever it is, whether you're trying to do a webinar on a specific topic, you're trying to write a book, start a blog, start a podcast. I'm not saying not to be general because you could be general, but have an overall direction towards something you really, really love, you're passionate about. And don't buy into the people that are saying, eh, I don't buy into passion. I buy into what sells. You're not going to sell it for a long time if you're not that passionate about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Can't agree with that more. And now, so tell me a little bit more about this book because I'm really interested in it. I think it's something I could probably recommend to to clients of mine who are athletes and want to know a little bit more about that mental side of things. Yeah, so... I started writing the book in about October of 2019. And funny enough, as COVID came around, not so funny, but I was in a perfect opportunity to really catapult the book forward. And I was busting out 5,000, one to 5,000 words a day at some point. Actually, as I was relocating from Los Angeles back to New York at the end of last year, I was literally writing the book as I'm driving through the mountains of Colorado. And uh, my fiance probably wanted to rip my head off, but... (laughs) The, the idea behind the book was break the book down into the, the mental side, the physical side, and then beyond both of those sides. You could look at it as holistic, but really a full section of the book is devoted into the cognitive processes and the emotional processes, meaning how do we fight negative thought viruses? How do we use positive affirmations or what I call thought vaccines to really catapult yourself out of those, you know, oh, I'm never getting better. My, my physical therapist just can't seem to fix me. It, you know, it, I can't seem to 
get back on track, you know, all the, all the things we hear. Also, how to use mindfulness, how to use meditation, conscious breathing strategies to help you along the process that maybe you know a little bit about, but you don't have a systematic way to go about it. And then in the physical element of the book, I talk and show the individual how to assess your own movement, how to build your own workout program with nine fundamental movement patterns that we all know, hinge, unilateral movement patterns of the lower extremity, the upper extremity, a squat pattern, all the basic fundamental movements that you and I know well, that for our patients and clients, they don't have a a manual that they can look at and say, well, I'm injured. How do I integrate this? And, you know, even sections of the book that are as simple as conversations with professionals, how do you have a better interaction with your physician that's rushing you out the door in two minutes? How do you listen into those keywords? Simple thing is, if it sounds Latin, write it down. But for our patients, they really don't have a process for it. So I decided this is my stake in the ground. I'm going to write it. Now, you have that dream and you say, I'm going to sell a million copies. Not the case. (laughs) It's a process like everything. So I'm getting the book to the people that need it most. And to be quite honest, I I think the sales are secondary for me. The number one for me is getting it in the hands of clinicians and individuals that need a way to navigate the scary side of injury. Very cool. Yeah, that sounds like an incredible book. Seems like you got a little bit of everything in there. I mean, from helping them, you know, navigate the, the doctor side of things to the mindset And I love when you said like, you know, my PT just isn't able to fix me. And that's very much like a problem that I see with a lot of clients of mine. It's, it's, they have this external locus of control where like, it's just like, you have to fix me. You have to fix me. Uh, It's your job to do this as opposed to like an internal locus of control where they kind of, they own it, they understand their condition. And now they're going to use that knowledge of what's going on with them to better themselves as opposed to waiting for someone else to do it. so... Absolutely. So in the psych- sports psychology world, we there's a technique called self-determination theory, and it's all based off of intrinsic motivation. And what's so funny to me is I've, so I'm working towards, I should also say, uh, my certification in a certified mental performance consultant through the Academy of Applied Sports Psychology. I'm looking to be one of the first physical therapists that have, that has obtained that. There is one or two other ones out there. Um, and in their, in their world, in the sports psych world, it's so second nature to them that they have to figure out these intrinsic motivators and work within their, the mind of the patient. But us as physical therapists, non-compliant. Well, this person just doesn't listen to me. And yes, we get education at our NYU and Stony Brook academic programs on the psychosocial elements, but it's more than just integrating family members and understanding the culture. It's really diving into the emotional, cognitive, affective elements of the physical side of this world we live in. That's a big thing. I mean, we talk about pain. I mean, pain is just one side of it. We're talking about people that have physical dysfunction. Well, how do you remove physical dysfunction from the, the mental side of it? You don't. So then why haven't we pioneered that? And that's really where I decided that is going to be my big thing. That's going to be what it is I do. That's really cool. And that is that like a degree that you're going for? Like, is that like more schooling? Like what, what goes into that? 
So I work with a mentor uh, based out of Roslyn, Dr. Isaac Zur. He worked in Israeli Special Forces. Great guy, really knowledgeable, worked a lot in soccer. He's my mentor. You need a certain amount of hours under a certified mentor. Of course, I needed to prove my education had a lot of the academic work that other qualified allied professionals would have. So it's a very, very rigorous review process because, of course, as you know, with turf wars, we all have to protect, well, Maybe we don't have to do this as much, but everybody tries to protect their land. And this is a growing area in professional sports. Every team is now hiring a mental performance consultant. So the the area that I'm honing in on is consulting with a professional organization, the Mets and others, that's the goal, to provide their rehab setting with this mental approach to what is seemingly a physical issue. That's incredible. That's got, that's very, you know, it sounds very cutting edge to me, like just opening up almost like a whole new profession and, and niche in sports that you can kind of go into. And it definitely seems like you're pioneering it. So that's very cool and must be a little frightening at the same time. So, you know, kudos to you, man. That's, that's really cool that you're doing that. Thank you, Zach. I mean, I guess, you know, after the, after the first year or two, when you really make the full you dive into it and you're looking at your, your bank account statements and you're thinking about your entrepreneurial plan, your 30, 60, 90, your proposal, your whatever it is, your podcast. And I would say every single day for about an hour, you go through a very erratic, you know, time of why am I doing this? And it's frightening but I have to say the other majority of the time that you're working towards the goals and the projects, as long as you're continuing to push further forward, specifically into that niche area, it becomes easier because you see the momentum it picks up. It's just like after an ACL reconstruction. Day one, when you see that PT and they say, we're going to bend your knee to 60, 70 degrees of flexion, and they think you're insane. That's how it is when you're diving into your beyond PT. You're, you feel like you're insane. But we know that the knee is going to get to hopefully at least 120 degrees and it takes time. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome, man. I can't wait to hear more about, you know, all the stuff you're doing with that and, and to see you actually go into it because I think that's going to be amazing for, for not only you, but, you know, anyone else that maybe in the future wants to go into something like that. Absolutely. Cool. I look forward to staying in touch with you. Oh, Definitely. So besides that, which it sounds like a very big, you know, passion project, kind of overall arching theme that you have going on. Do you have any other things that like you're really looking to get into or expand into? Because I know you also have the podcast, you have the book, you have your clients. It seems like you're doing a lot of different things. Any other big passion projects that you got going on in the near future? I'm going to be building an online course for Injured to Elite. So I don't know if if a lot of PTs out there have looked into online course stuff whether it's through Kajabi or these different programs out there, it is overwhelming and that's scary, but I got my equipment. I got my, my DSLR camera. I got my lighting and you see my microphone set up. So the idea was always do the digital course for the, the book, because let's face it, people want, they don't only want to hear it now with audiobooks, they want to see it. So I think January is when I'm going to start really filming it and recording it. And I'm hoping to get that out there by the end of Q1 2021. I love the content side, I have to say. I'm so excited. Like 
if you ask me like, who do you want to be like in this world? I want to be the essentially Gary V of, of what it is we do. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome, man. And I think you definitely have a, a good personality for it. So I'm excited to see that course too. And uh, maybe I can link, uh, you know, in the show notes for you eventually, once you get that thing up and running. So let's definitely, I'm going to, I'm going to put this special offer out there because I know your podcast is a lot of physical therapists. Let's get books out there to physical therapists. Uh, simply anybody that follows me through this podcast, I'm going to send you a book and we can maybe get some of those books out to your patients too. If you, if you find it to be a helpful thing and you're looking for that resource that you can look, explain pain is a great book. And, and it was my, some of my inspiration by Laura Mosley and David Butler. This book is not to replace that, but this book is looking at the physical and the mental side and giving you almost like a, here's what's, what's the, here's what's going to happen. This is what the process looks like. And almost like, I don't know. I remember when I was a kid, they had those like books about like what it's surviving teenage years. And they talk about everything from like, you know, sex education on. And that's kind of what I, I wrote for people that are going through an injury. It's pretty much like, even if it's, whether it's a, a shoulder, elbow surgery, knee surgery, it doesn't matter. There's certain elements that are just universal. So why don't we do that? Why don't we just give out some books to anybody that found me through this? And because uh, I know it's going to help them and their patients. Yeah, definitely, man. That's very generous of you. So yeah, any, any way uh, they can reach out to you for that? So all you got to do is send me a DM at Dave M. Meyer on Instagram. Tell me you found me through Beyond PT, through Zach, and I'm going to send you a book. My website is injuredtoelite.com to buy the book, but I would, I would definitely recommend sending me a message if you're hearing through this, a DM. We'll do this, uh, let's, let's do it for a few weeks after, after this episode launches. Yeah, sure, definitely. Sounds good. Sweet, awesome. So Dave, before I let you go here, I just want to know, do you have any advice or maybe words of wisdom for other PTs or even healthcare professionals that are trying to start their own business or side hustle? I might have, I don't want to be too redundant and repeat myself, but I want to stress this point. I remember when I was just on the brink of graduating and everybody was like, well, you need the well-rounded experience. You need to make sure you work in a hospital setting for a year or two, make sure you take all the continuing ed and you got to do this, this, and this. What I'm going to tell you is this. If you want a job working in professional sports, if you want to work with a billionaire client on a jet and fly with them and be their concierge PT. If you want to write the book, if you want to do the podcast, all these things that I've been so fortunate enough to do, it's all been related to my drive to go directly for what it is I want. It's not intelligence. It's not skill. And I saw this with athletes too. The ones that really made it, there was a baseline level of skill that they all have at that point. They all throw hard. But to get to the big leagues and to stay there, it's willpower, it's drive. So if anyone out there is thinking about whether it's an app, whether it's a book, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a continuing ed thing that you want to teach or you want to attend, go for it and listen to your inner voice. Don't listen to just what other people are telling you because that's just a reflection of your own thoughts. Go for what it is you want even as a mere PT. Yeah, no, definitely, man. That's great advice. And yeah, I, I totally agree with you. You really have to go after those things that you you want. 
Otherwise, you're just going to get stuck in a job that you're angry about and that you resent. So it's, it really is. And I've, I've thought about switching up what I'm doing multiple times, you know, trying to find my niche. So once you find it, just go after it and, I, and don't stop. I think your listeners want to know a little more about that. Oh, Give me, you know, come on. So I'm, I'm, I haven't really told anyone about this. I'm, I'm trying, I'm getting very heavy into cinematography to photography and I want to give more to people who are, you know, looking to get out there on Instagram and on YouTube and on Facebook. And I want to give them the tools to not only just do it, but to look good while they're doing it, you know, to get their lighting right, to, to learn how to use cameras and stuff like that. So awesome. That's, follow. That's something. Okay. So if you, you got to follow, I am Dan Thomas on yeah. Instagram. I'll share them with you. Uh, I love that. I bought a DSLR Sony a 6,400 in February, in March. Very nice. I fell in love with the thing. It's so much fun. There's yeah. so much to, and for PTs learning the tech side, I mean, hey, that's a course right there. Teaching Definitely. physical therapists how to leverage uh, that stuff. That's awesome, man. It's yeah, man. Yeah, I got a Canon M50 uh, just recently too, and I'm I'm loving the crap out of it. So awesome. Nice. <laughs> that was the that was the other one that I was gonna get. Yeah. Yeah, it's the mirrorless. Very nice. Very nice. Potato Definitely Jet. Recommend it. Did you Did you see any videos on Potato Jet on YouTube? No, no. What's that? He Potato Jet's like. So when you go on YouTube, you find these like gurus and especially selling tech stuff. Yeah, yeah. And Potato Jet is like he's this really kind of uh, big personality guy in Los Angeles that talks about cameras. You're looking at the clock and it's like 7 p.m. You're trying to figure out which one to get right, and then it's 11 p.m. and you're like. I just been watching YouTube videos on what on cameras for the last three <laughs> but there's something to learn about that because they make it engaging. When we talk about you know uh, improving glute activation, like make it fun. That's like what the prehab guys are doing, and the people on Instagram that have developed. You're saying, how do they have such a big following? Well, they made a big following because they're making it engaging. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And again, I think it probably comes back to the same thing: is that that's what they like, right? But not just what they like. You're right. I think there are certain Instagrams and channels who are just putting in that extra effort and, and getting the cameras to, to look good, getting the lighting to look good, getting the after effects to look good. And that's something that like I really want to dive into and help other PTs with. So. Well, anytime you want to come over here to Plainview, a few miles west, and you want to help me out with that, I'm all, sure, I'm all about it. <laughs> all right. Yeah, definitely. I'll edit some videos for you. Sounds good. Cool, man. Well, Dave, this has been a, a lot of fun. Thank you for coming on here. I learned a lot. And even for me as someone who's like, I don't know a ton about baseball, just the way you explained it and everything you talked about, it's, it was very helpful. So, I'm glad that I, uh, I can provide something here. And I love what you're doing, man. Beyond PT is so important because titles are not everything. It's just a title. It's just a scope of practice. But you're still a human being that has a lot to offer beyond what it is your title says in New York state or whatever state you're in says. So uh, live up to that. Definitely. Catch you soon. Take care, Zach. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the episode. Be sure to reach out to Dave on Instagram so you can get your free copy of his book for a limited time and see all the cool things Dave is working on. Links in the show notes. And if you haven't already, head over to Apple Podcasts to give us a rating and review so we can get this podcast out to more people who need to hear it. If you guys are looking for an alternative career path to patient care, whether you're a PT, OT, or speech therapist, then check out the link and save $50 on the course Non-Clinical 101 by Meredith Kasten, the Non-Clinical PT. This course completely prepares you for everything you need to know about landing a non-clinical job, from understanding what type of work best suits you, to resume building, to interviewing. 
Thanks again for listening. Catch you guys in the next episode.